You're listening to the Designer CEO Podcast, Episode 10. I'm thrilled to be chatting with a very good friend of mine, Amanda Ergen Jennings, Designer CEO of Love Lives Here Bridal. Amanda and I met while we were both working at the Bonton Store Group in product development and often found ourselves dreaming of entrepreneurship. Amanda started her brand 15 years ago as a side hustle and worked day and night to make it a full-time reality. Join us as Amanda shares her journey, entrepreneurial advice, and words of wisdom specifically for new designer CEOs in today's episode. From Side Hustle to Bride Hustle with Amanda Ergen Jennings, designer CEO of Love Lives Here Bridal. Designer CEO Podcast. Each week, strategy guru and merchandising maven, Sarah Ferens, helps designer CEOs navigate the business of retail and fashion. She'll provide you with proven strategies, how-tos, business tips, and tons of expert advice from her industry friends to get your line launched and start growing your brand. If you're dreaming about designing your own line, consider her your go-to business partner. absolutely thrilled to be chatting with a very good friend of mine, Amanda Jennings. She is the designer CEO of Love Lives Here Bridal. So Amanda is going to just start out and share her story with us a little bit to tell us how she got to be where she is today. So welcome, Amanda. Thank you. I'm really excited to be a part of this. I'm, like, I'm so excited for you. We are too. We are, we are yeah. too. We be me and basically BJ Doug. Um, <laughs> but so I just wanted to kind of start out and hear your story. And, you know, I just want you to share what your journey was like to get you really where you are today as owner and designer CEO. Yeah. Um, so like our pre-show interview, I have a lot to share. I have like 15 years of just being all over the place. Um, But every single step of that like brought me to where I am now. Like there's so much about, you know, you and I know each other from the corporate world. And there's so much of that, that like when we were entrenched in it, I was like, this is awful. (laughs) But now looking back at it, like if I didn't have that experience, like um, it's really helped me Mm -hmm. as I've been doing my own thing. But I've been doing the two all along. I was thinking back, like, what my origin story is. Um, And really, like, I knew I was never meant to work under somebody else for the rest of my life. Like, even as a kid, I, like, hated being regulated. Like, why do I have to sit in school all day? Mm -hmm. Like, um, so I kind of fell into this by accident. (laughs) Um, I've been sewing my whole life, like my grandma taught me when I was really young. But I never considered it a career. Um, and then I went to orientation and registration at the university of Wisconsin. And, um, you know, I got into that school thinking I'll just get a general business degree. Mm -hmm. Um, but I was at the registration weekend and all the freshmen are in a big room and advisors come from each school and they take the students interested in that major. And the women from the school of human ecology came around where the apparel design major is. 
and no one went with them. And I felt really bad. So <laughs> I was like, well, I'll go with you. Like, I know how to sew. This could be maybe interesting. Um, and it all kind of made sense. Like this thing that I've been doing, like creating with my hands my whole life, the simple skill that my grandma taught me, like, why wouldn't I build a career on this? Um, so I fell in love day one of school and I went through the program at UW and went to FIT in New York. And I worked in technical design, like right out of school. Um, because my favorite part of design was figuring out how to make something work, like how to take a sketch and turn it into a real thing Mm -hmm. that was functional and worked on a real body. Um, and a lot of design students get their start in technical design because of that. Like Mm -hmm. it's much need more technical designers than you need creative designers. Like you need to be able to make it work. So, um, I did that and then I was broke. So I moved home to Milwaukee (laughs) Uh, and I felt when I moved home, like my only options were to work for like a major corporation and Milwaukee is like, was kind of special in that it had some big retailers. Like there was Carson Perry Scott, which then became Bonton, um, Kohl's, Jockey, Harley, like there were some big brands and I, Shows Carson's because honestly, it was like closest to my house. So I didn't have like the commute was shortest. And so uh, a theme here, Amanda, like, <laughs> so I, um, this was before the product team was in Milwaukee. So I started on the buying team and, um, as a way to keep creative and keep working with my hands, I, um, started making like leather handbags, like little clutches and like party dresses. And this was also a time when there were a lot of like fashion shows and clubs downtown. Mm-hmm. So I did my fair share of those. Um, during the day, I was learning about assortment planning and financial projections. And at night, I was putting party dresses on the nightclub runway mm-hmm. under the label Mink and uh, selling a few pieces on Etsy, which was fairly new-ish at the time. This was like you know, 2003. Um <clears throat> So then when Bonton brought the private label to Milwaukee in 2006, I was in HR like daily, like begging them to put me on the, the TD team. Because of my experience on the buying team, they thought I was a better fit for product development. Um, so that's where I learned like seasonal collection planning and trend development and fabric and vendor sourcing, communicating with overseas factories, costing and all those like extra fees that come with import export. And, um, <laughs> But that's when my friends started getting married, too. So then I was getting requests for bridesmaids dresses and my first official bridal gown in 2008. And then friends of friends started reaching out and eventually complete strangers were contacting me. So I decided to start making custom bridesmaids dresses and change my name from Mink to Mink Maid. Um, I originally didn't want to deal with bridal gowns. It was like too much pressure. (laughs) And now it's all I do. Uh, But that ended up being where a lot of, a lot more requests were coming in. Um, Eventually I pushed at Bonton to be added to the technical design team, which confused everyone. Um, But there was finally an opening and hell if I was going to let that go. (laughs) So I got on there and that's where I got experience fitting kids and men's and women's brands. Um, monitoring quality and communicating with overseas factories on like fit and quality or construction. Um, And I was focused on special sizing, like women's plus and petite fit, which is the major focus of my bridal collection. Mm -hmm. Um, So 
during that time, I was also getting tons and tons of custom bridal gown requests. And I knew there was potential to grow that side business, but I needed more time to devote to it. So I started making a plan to leave Bonton, which took a lot longer than I wanted it to. Um, I got married in that time, which caused a lot of growth on the side business. Um, and then we decided to start a family while I was still insured. <laughs> um, so I waited to leave until I had Betty in 2016. Um, and that's when I designed my first bridal gown collection and bridesmaids collection while I was pregnant as a way to extend my reach outside of the Milwaukee market. Um, I took that collection to Chicago um, Spring Bridal Market in 2017, which got my name out there, but there were no sales. Um, so I focused on contacting these smaller boutiques where I wanted to be mm-hmm. and um, found that they only go to New York and they only travel in fall. So I took that collection to New York in 2017 um, and I put in the work to book appointments and meet tons of great boutique owners, had tons of trunk shows from that, um, where I had a few brides order and one boutique investment samples. And it could have been really easy to get discouraged by not getting many sales, but the uh, feedback I received from all those trunk shows was in a way more beneficial. Mm-hmm. It, um, it helped me to focus on the direction of my newest collection. So I dropped Bridesmaids. I took my last custom bride and felt it was time to rebrand because Mink Maids no longer represented what I was doing. And um, I changed my name to Love Lives Here and really streamlined my, um, my collection, focused on like the best-selling parts of my previous work. Um, took that collection to New York this past October and walked away with five new accounts. And since then, I've left, I've added four more for a total of nine, and I get reorders weekly. And I'm working on the next collection this coming October and going through the process of building an in-house production team. Um, and here I am. Quite the story. <laughs> That's a really long, like, I joke that my husband's a long talker, but I was just a real long talker. <laughs> no, your story, so, um, it, it's just, I find your story to be super inspiring because, you know, I I knew you and I knew you were yeah. kind of doing these things in the background when we were working together at Bonfon. And I knew that you would be telling me, yeah, I was at the studio last night until midnight when you were working on things as you were really doing two jobs, basically. Yeah. Um, And so, you know, I I think it's so cool to see the perspective of like where you've been and where you are now. And I feel like all the different pieces that you had almost created this like perfect storm for you because you were super passionate about it. You were getting the... The, you had the design background, you um, were gaining kind of that business side as you were working at Bonton, even if they weren't necessarily in the roles of your dreams. Right. Um, and then you were still doing all these things on, on the side to bring your entire vision together. So right. I just think that's so fantastic and amazing. Yeah, thanks. It's been, a, it's been a long road and like I'm still on the journey too. Like I feel like I've put so much into it already, but I'm still in like the infancy of love lives here. Right. So I have a long way to go and there's potential to do a lot. Yeah. Because you're still manufacturing everything yourself too at this point. So like everything that you're creating is Amanda touching it. Yeah. 
amazing. And that's kind of what I've always wanted mm-hmm. was to like be able to be hands-on the whole time. But my goal now is to give the opportunity to other people who were in my position, like when I left school, feeling like my only option was to work for a corporation and to give them a smaller place to work where like they mattered, like Mm -hmm. what they were doing really mattered and where they could really be like fostered and developed and learn all the sides of this business. Um, And didn't feel like they were just being lost in the shuffle of like a big company. So that's an interesting, um, leads me to, I guess, an interesting question. So if you were going to tell yourself, you know, as a designer coming out of design school, looking for your first job, what would be like your words of wisdom to yourself at that point? Well, I've run into this with like some of the interns that I've been working with is when they're in school, they're like teaching them how to create a collection. Mm -hmm but not everybody's going to leave school and just like start their own thing right away. Um, So a lot of them like don't know what they want to do. They don't know what path. And so um, I think it was beneficial for me to have the background of like being in um, a bigger company and being able to test out a lot of roles. Mm -hmm. Um, But also like working for a small company, you get to be part of all of those roles because like everyone wears all of the hats. Right. So, um, there's really no like wrong path to take, Mm -hmm. you know, when you, when you finally were able to kind of make that leap from working at the bond time, when did you feel like ready? Like, was there a moment or a point where you felt prepared? Like, this is it. I'm going to quit. How did you kind of prepare Uh, (laughs) when that moment was? Well, I think I was in kind of a unique position. Um, because, well, one, I was ready to quit for years. Like I preach. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I never wanted to work for someone else for the entirety of my career, but I knew I had to be smart about it. So, and letting go of that steadiness of a corporate job was like so scary. Um, But feeling anxious and angry and like I was wasting my time every day was kind of more terrifying. Mm -hmm. Um, so like some days I felt like I was working on the Muppet show. <laughs> like <laughs> why is everything and everyone around me crazy? And like mm-hmm. literally everything is urgent. Like this is not real. <laughs> um, I just couldn't live like that. So um, I knew I had to grow my business into something bigger mm-hmm. if, um, and had, and if I had more time to devote to it. But um, Steve and I were also at a point where we knew if we didn't start a family now, it probably wasn't going to happen. Yeah. Um, so during my pregnancy, I built my first collection um, to show my style, but also, like I said, to gain exposure outside of Milwaukee. And this is where my situation was unique in that, yes, I was preparing my business for success when I left Bonton, but I was also preparing mentally for motherhood. So it wasn't like I just left my job and then the next day I dove head first into entrepreneurship. Mm-hmm. Like I always envisioned it would be, it was more like I left my job dove headfirst into motherhood and then slowly figured out how to nurture both a real baby and the business baby. Right. So exactly smooth sailing. Um, I will say though, that the day I walked out of Bonton knowing I never had to go back to a corporate setting was one of like the lightest, happiest days of my life. Like mm-hmm. I cried a mm-hmm. lot in like a relieved, huge weight has been lifted kind of way. Like there, there's really like no way to describe that unless 
you've been through it, <laughs> which I know you have. I was going to say, this sounds very familiar to me. Yeah. Like that, that day, I think when I, when I left my last corporate job, I literally was calling anybody I knew who'd be home mm-hmm. to be like, I quit. I did mm-hmm. it. And yeah, it's like, you just want to celebrate. I think, I think I cried too. I think I just sat in my car and cried like tears of happiness and yeah. Um, you know, it, it's just a totally different perspective when you reach that point where you're like, okay, I'm doing it. I'm taking yep. this jump and I'm betting on me and I'm gonna, I'm gonna make it happen. Yeah. So yeah. were your friends and family supportive of this decision? I know, I know your husband was, but like, yeah. how did other people in your family feel about it? Um, so yeah, Steve, um, and our friends have always been super supportive and like pushing me to take the leap long before I actually did. Um, Though they never directly said it, mm-hmm. I'm sure our parents felt differently. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, like, no one tried to talk me out of it. It was more like I told them this is happening, and they were like, okay, as long as you have a plan. Right. Um, <laughs> I think there wasn't as much pushback also because I was having a baby. So there might have been this idea of, like, oh, she's just going to be a stay-at-home mom and continue her little business on the side, mm-hmm. which, like, offense taken. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, but... I think it's generational also. Like when I was just getting started, I think a lot of people saw it as a hobby, um, especially people who aren't in the creative field and maybe don't understand the need to build something daily. Mm-hmm. But when it started growing, even I struggle with the feelings like I have a good job, a steady, strong paycheck and benefits. Like, why isn't this enough? Um, but I think like seeing how much work I put into it, seeing how much it's grown has really helped calm any nerves that like my parents might have had and they regardless they've just kept quiet about it so they know <laughs> that, like I was always going to do whatever I wanted to do anyway so yeah <laughs> um yeah no I could definitely understand that one as well um yeah I think I think that's pretty typical really in any industry like when you're taking a, a leap like that from mm-hmm. a comfortable job with benefits to do your own thing it's I get it for parents. It's scary, you know, to think about, but you're right. Like at the end of the day, if you're not going to be satisfied with that life, like do something, fix it, position yourself in a way that you can um, create the life you want. Right. So, you know, now that you've been doing this for, for 15 years, you're (laughs) staged and wise and have all the answers. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I know, I know, I know, I know. <laughs> but like, what is, what would you say has been like the biggest challenge that you've overcome so far as a business owner? Um, my biggest challenge has really been mental hurdles. Mm-hmm. Um, in particular, like fear of rejection and fear of sales. Mm-hmm. Um, I, when I ventured into wholesale, I took things very personally. Like this was my business baby. Like I poured my heart and my soul and all of my money into it. And I was terrified of reaching out to critiques because I felt like they didn't, if they didn't like me, they wouldn't buy my collection. Mm -hmm. They weren't just rejecting my gowns. They were also rejecting me personally. Um, And I was working with a business coach at the time. And her response to that fear was, you don't need them to like you. You need them to trust you. Mm-hmm. which blew my mind. Like I, I can talk all day long about my story and my background and my expertise. And that's really what has sealed the deal on all of my accounts that I've put in the work. I've done the research. I've laid the foundation for success and I'm not going to disappear. Mm-hmm. Um, but that has been my biggest challenge is just like 
being mentally strong, Mm -hmm. um, with like the day in and day out and like putting myself out there. Um, it's scary. (laughs) It's scary to be doing this on your own and like feeling like, you know, you could fail at any moment, but if you've put in the work, um, the chance of failing is much Much. lower. Yeah. Lower. So what, what would you, like, what did you do? Did you just kind of push yourself forward and just push through that? Um, yeah, it was just a lot of, of mindset work, just knowing that like, I'm producing a good product. Mm -hmm. I, uh, I have faith in like my work and I know that I'm, you know, my quality is there and my fit is there because that's what my whole background has been in. Um, I know this industry, I, for the most part, understand brides. I know fabrics and I know how to make someone feel good. Mm -hmm. Um, so it was pushing past that feeling like just because they don't want one place doesn't want my dresses doesn't mean that the next place won't. Right. 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 So what do you think is the biggest misconception that you had about becoming an entrepreneur? Uh, yeah, this was a good one. Um, that I was just going to be making what I wanted to and sketching and drafting patterns and sitting behind the sewing machine all day. Um, in reality, that's about 10% of what I do. Mm -hmm. Uh, but I'm the one in control of my day. Like no one is telling me where to be and when, so I'm cool with all the rest of it. Mm -hmm. Um, another designer friend of mine, Natalie Harris from Renegade Bridal in Texas, recently wrote a blog post titled the scope of a bridal designer. And I read it like in awe, like it hits on absolutely everything we do and to see it all listed out is just nuts. I just want to carry around copies to hand to everyone. (laughs) Like, Oh, what do you do with like, Oh, that must be fun. Like, yeah, it is. But it's like just the design part is such a small part of like everything. Mm -hmm. Like it's, no, I, I think, I, the think work. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like, I mean, I feel like that with Mod Merchant too, you know, yeah. like I'm here and I want to help people and yet I'm spending so much time on like sales and marketing and all these yeah. other pieces that, you know, aren't necessarily my favorite aspects of the business no. <laughs> you have to do and right. you end up learning like to enjoy and favor them those moments where you're doing part <laughs> that you're really, right. really excited to do. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So what would you say has been your proudest moment then as a business owner? Um, there were a few, like this was hard to nail down for me. So the thing that I love the most over like the past 15 years of doing all of this was like taking this simple skill that my grandma taught me when I was a child and using it to impact the lives of like women really around the world. Like I've had women from all over buy my dresses. So um, I don't get to see it firsthand as often now since I don't do as much custom work, but I'll still get messages and cards from brides telling me they could never picture themselves as a bride until they put on one of my gowns or that they felt the most, like the most fabulous version of themselves because of something I created. Like mm-hmm. that is really the proudest one. Like that really gets me. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you're, you're a part of their biggest day. I mean, that's, yeah. you know, it's like basically I think, wedding day and like children being born are like yeah. those milestone moments and especially in women's lives so you're yeah. a part of like one of those biggest days and and you're it's the dress 
I mean, that's like the biggest moment of the biggest yeah. day too. Yeah. It's something <laughs> that everybody sees. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, no, that's absolutely a huge and valid reason to feel so proud of yourself. <laughs> well, I'm just proud of you as your friend because I just am, like I said oh. earlier, I'm in awe of what you've accomplished oh, and just you. being able to you know, transition your business as you needed to, whether that was working on the side and then as it developed and you had had a mink and then you, you know, took it even more forward than with Love Love Tear. Yeah. So, you know, you, I, me, I feel like you're one of my, like, rock star idols. Oh, jeez. Yeah. Well, thanks. <laughs> so, Amanda, how do you find balance between your business and your family? Um. So this is the other like huge challenge for me and Steve right now, he also started his own business about six months ago and we have a toddler at home. So we're just like, who needs money? Not us. Like, um, there's literally no part of our life that is chill right now. So we are lucky to have um, lots of help from our parents. Um, we're very fortunate in that way. Like they want to see us succeed. So we, we shuffle Betty around to, her grandparents when we need to be at the studio or in the office. And then <coughs> when we are home, we do our best to not do any work. Like time at home is time for family. Our phones and our computers are put away. Um, and we try really hard to at least like do one fun thing as a family outside of the house every weekend. So giving ourselves a break and a chance to enjoy each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that is because it is so easy. And I'm sure with Betty, you know, it's a different element. But like, I find myself on the weekends, I just start working when I have an extra hour or two. And right. Finding that's not healthy as well. Right. <laughs> so, well, it's so easy. Like, everyone is so accessible now. Like, it's so easy to just pull out your phone and like answer a quick email or like comment back on Instagram or something. Like, you really have to it's been a, a lot of work to compartmentalize. Like when I'm at work, at work, when I'm at home, I'm at home and present. Um, and that's hard to do when you work for yourself. Like it's, you know, you bring it with you all the time. Yeah. But, you're constantly thinking about it, even when see, you're telling yourself not to. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> working so, in the background. We're working on it, but we're also like graceful with each other too. Like you understand, like it's not always going to be cut and dried. Mm-hmm. Okay, so do you have any words of inspiration for designer CEOs out there who are maybe just beginning their, their side hustle and putting in all those late night hours and probably feeling a little overwhelmed and frustrated? Um, yeah. What would you say to them? Oh, this was another one that was really hard for me to narrow down. So, like, there are so many things, like, I've learned over this time and especially the past few years, like, now that I've been doing it, like, totally on my own. Um the most important thing for me was to become okay with giving myself a break every now and then. Like I, you know, I mean, you knew me when I was working two full-time jobs, essentially, like it's essential to recharge so you don't burn out. But like the most important piece of advice I can give is to be patient, be persistent, be flexible and to stay in your lane. Like patience with yourself is important. Sustainable businesses don't grow overnight. Um, you have to put the work in, you have to lay the foundation first. Persistence and flexibility are key as well. Like you can have a general goal in mind for what 
um, for your business and understand that the path there may not end up looking exactly how you had planned. Like sometimes you have to take a few steps back, maybe a little side shuffle on occasion, like in order to keep moving, um, you're going to run into hurdles at every turn and it's not the end of the world. Mm-hmm. Like there's always a way over around or even under them, just as long as you keep moving forward. Um, and finally, like the thing that I have to remind myself about kind of daily is to just stay in your lane. Like it's so easy to get wrapped up in what other people are doing and achieving. And I get sucked into the comparison spirals like weekly. Mm-hmm. Um, but you need to stay focused on who your customer is and what you can offer them that no one else can mm-hmm. and just keep doing that thing. Well, there's room for all of us to succeed. So I love that. Yeah. Lift each other up. Yeah. We can all do it. We can all be successful. That's right. Yes. Thriving at what you're really good at and positioning yourself like that. Right. Phenomenal. Yeah. Well, you're doing a great job of that. Oh, you're so sweet. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Amanda, how can listeners contact you if they're interested in learning more about Love Lives Your Bridal? Yeah, so um, our story and a bit more about the company is up on our website, which is lovelivesherebridal.com. You can also follow our journey on Instagram, which is the same, at lovelivesherebridal. And if anyone has any more like detailed questions, email is best. Uh, you can reach me at hello at lovelivesherebridal.com. All right, Amanda, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for I having me. I love hearing this story. You know, mm-hmm. I feel like we've known each other for a long time, and, you know, honestly, I don't think I knew all the details, so it was great for me to hear it, too. Yeah. Well, um, thanks for having me. Hey, designer CEOs, are you struggling to figure out how to stand out in a sea of competition? Wouldn't you like to discover how to get your brand noticed? Well, I've got you covered with my Whitespace workbook, and it is seriously the best download I've offered yet. I've shared this content with clients, and it just blows their minds. Get your free Whitespace workbook at www.modmerchant.net, along with tons of other fantastic resources to get your brand launched. Wouldn't it be nice if there was a place where only designers and creatives could gather to collaborate, learn, and grow? I thought so too. Join us on Facebook. Search for the Designer CEO Facebook group and join our free community for designers and creatives who want to connect, learn, and network together. Soundboard your ideas to designers and creatives just like you, who can help you launch and grow the brand of your dreams. And if Facebook's not your thing, You can also find us on Instagram at mod.merchant. Thanks for listening.